Welcome to Across the Margin of the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin of the Podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts. They got some new ones coming up. All their live events, everything they got going on over at OsirisPod.com. In this episode, I'm thrilled to present an interview with Ben Proudfoot, a Los Angeles-based filmmaker, most noted as the director of The Queen of Basketball, winner of the 2021 Academy Award for Best Documentary, Short Subject. With co-director Chris Bowers, he also brought to life the short documentary film, A Concerto is a Conversation, which was an Academy Award nominee for Best Documentary Short Subject at the 93rd Academy Awards in 2021. His latest documentary, we worked on with Chris as well, is The Last Repair Shop, which is the focus of this episode and It is once again nominated at this year's Academy Award for Best Documentary, Short Subject. Once commonplace in the United States, today Los Angeles is by far the largest and one of the last American cities to provide free and freely repaired musical instruments to its public school children, a continuous service since 1959. Ben's documentary, The Last Repair Shop, grants an all-access pass to the nondescript downtown warehouse where a dwindling handful of devoted craftspeople keep over 80,000 student instruments in good repair. Led by the charming general manager, Steve Bagmanian, the film introduces a technician from each department, Dana Atkinson, in the strings division, who takes us to his personal breaking point as a young man confronting his sexuality. Patty Marino, in charge of brass and who's the sole woman in the shop, chronicles her pursuit of the American dream as a Mexican immigrant and a single mother. Dwayne Michaels, a quirky, self-described hillbilly who fixes the woodwind instruments and shares the rip-roaring tale of how his $20 fiddle ended up taking him on tour with Elvis. And finally, Steve himself, who learned to tune pianos in America after surviving a harrowing escape from ethnic persecution in the late 1980s. The film blends the unexpectedly intimate personal histories of the repair people with emotional first-hand accounts from the actual student musicians for whom their instruments made all the difference. So in this episode, me and Ben expound upon what music and access to instruments means to the life of the children in Los Angeles while considering how the power of music has changed the lives of those who passionately labor in the repair shop. We talk about how the promise of the American dream manifests itself within the documentary, the message of hope that is abounding in the film, and so much more. Ultimately, this episode celebrates an inspiring documentary that serves as a passionate love letter to Los Angeles and to those unsung heroes who gave countless others the gift of music. This is an episode that pays tribute to a truly unique program that has produced countless legends from John Williams to Kendrick Lamar. The Last Repair Shop is stunningly beautiful and super inspiring. I could not recommend it more. It is streaming right now on Hulu and Disney. And you can learn more about it in this interview with Ben Proudfoot. Podcast.
Ben. Hey there, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Great to see you again. Good, great to see you again. How's it going? What's been, up? What's been up? It's been a little while. Yeah, I know, absolutely. You've been busy. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, are you working on something now too? I know Jade mentioned you're in production. Are you working on something else? I mean, in the short documentary business, I'm always yeah. working on always something. things. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. This. Uh, congrats on the film, on the nomination, on everything. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, we're, uh, we're pretty I excited love, about it. I bet. I'm. Uh, I love, love, love it. It's amazing. I've. I mean, just in the last few since I've seen it, I've been recommending it to anyone I talk to. Oh, thank you so much. It's so awesome. Um, I'm just curious, kind of just get us started. Um, when did you first come upon the the actual last repair shop and kind of get to know the story? Yeah, so it, it dates back to over now more than four years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, our producer, Jeremy Lambert, mm -hmm. whose brother is a luthier and is a guitar builder. Uh-huh. Uh, an article about the repair shop caught his eye and mm -hmm. it was, it was a, like an archi archived article from like 2013 or something. Mm -hmm. And it was about how there was a um, backlog of instruments at the repair shop. And that was one thing, but what I was really interested in was that it, it the article said that it was the last of its kind in the United States. Mm -hmm. And at one time, free and freely repaired instruments that, you know, you wherever you were, you could find it. Mm -hmm. And and now the Los Angeles repair shop was kind of the last the last grand dame uh, of of public school repair shops, and so I sort of thought two things: one, what does that place look like that repairs oh. over a hundred thousand musical instruments? I yeah. mean, just you know, just visually, audio wise, you know, what's that place like? And then second, you know, having lived in Los Angeles for fifteen years now, is like you know the sort of uh, Grinch moment where this this spark of pride uh, came came to light in my heart that wow that's great that LA does that that's that's awesome yeah uh, and I went to Chris right away we were making a concerto as a conversation that we started shooting this before concerto mm -hmm. um, and uh, he was like I went to LAUSD and I never heard of this thing and so that that began the process and then once once the repair people sat down for their interviews and made such an extraordinary emotional um, testimony uh, in front of the camera. It was clear that the movie wasn't just about repairing instruments. It was also about humanity and sort of the, the, the gift uh, that is the will to repair uh, the power of music education, et cetera. Totally the power of music in general in a major way. I was gonna, I'm glad you mentioned that like right away. I was curious kind of what it felt like being in that, you know, in the repair shop amongst all those instruments, especially now knowing, you know, intimately what they mean to you, mean to the, everybody, you know, the kids and stuff. So pretty cool, huh? It, it, it was, I mean, you can see it in the movie, but it's this, um, it's a, it's an extremely visually rich place. You know, you have hundred year old tubas hanging from the rafters. You have, huge piles of violin and double bass carcasses that are being harvested for parts. Um, you know, you, you're hearing sort of the flute being tested over here and the piano being uh, torn apart over here. So it's a, it's a very musically rich uh, place. It doesn't always sound good because uh, they're broken instruments, right? Um, but it was, it, when when you started understanding and really sort of 
hearing the other side of that of that silence and of that sort of discordant mm-hmm. music fixing and understood it as this is kind of like a hospital for for kids musical instruments yeah. um it be, your heart just sort of opens up like <laughs> Magnolia flower, and you you start French reference again where it grows. Yeah, you, I, that, that was my experience. I mean, you yeah. you it it is um you know this this is a this is a warehouse with mm-hmm. no windows, yep. basically nestled under a freeway south of downtown. Yeah, this is this is a um beautiful sort of tide pool of humanity in the middle of an asphalt jungle, wow. um and. And the film kind of shows you that it's it's it it is a totally uncanny thing to kind of see in this very industrial context, this emotional, tearful spot where people are mending musical instruments for nine and ten year olds who 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 need to express themselves. Is is it's something of beauty? That's awesome. The um the shots of them cleaning and stuff. It's so beautiful. It really really well done. Um. That's, I guess that's where I want to go too. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit. I mean, kind of the opening is, uh, you know, that young girl who says, I don't know what I do without my violin. I'd love to hear you talk about, and I think the kids, I'll focus there first. And I'm excited to talk about the actual people working in the repair shop. But what does it mean to some of these kids to actually be able to get these instruments and what, and what music does for them? I, yeah. So, yeah, you, you mentioned Porsche, who's kind of our star, um, just such a compelling, awesome. compelling little human being uh, who, who we've just fallen totally head over heels in love with. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the impact is is clear. I mean, um, Porsche starts it off right away. Right. She's having she's having family members who have serious health issues and the violin is her refuge. Yep. Uh, Manuel the sousaphone player never thought he'd be playing a horn. Yep. Now it's his whole career. He's, he's going to pursue music professionally. Yes. Love it. As they put a sousaphone uh, in his hand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Amanda. The saxophonist, who, right? It calms her down when she's. Yeah. That, that, that's is Ismara. Yeah. Israel. It, it, yep. Yep. Right. So I think what, I think what you see over and over again is even if some of these people don't become professional musicians and most won't, right. Uh, of the of the you know hundreds of thousands of students who who learn how to play a musical instrument in LA's public schools every year, only a tiny fraction will become professional musicians. But all of them will have had the opportunity to learn how to listen, mm-hmm. learn how to collaborate. Totally. Will have been sort of um, pulled into the this discipline of learning how to do something new. And so that's that's kind of this larger thing. And I think why you're seeing so many studies come out about the importance of music and arts education. It's not because we need we need everybody to be able to play play a musical instrument professionally. It's because if you can learn how to be part a, a great member of an orchestra, you can learn how to be a great citizen. Right. If you can listen to your section mates, you can listen to your neighbors. Yep. You can find harmony with the group. And we need more of that. Uh, yeah. We need more of things that teach us those kind of soft skills that make our society strong and rich and cohesive and collaborative. Um, and, and that's what music can do. And, and we need more of that, a lot yeah. more. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a, kind of akin to a sports team. You, know, you, learn, you learn how to work with, with, with other people. And also they're given the opportunity 
to see if this is something they want to pursue. They're all given that opportunity to give that thing. I was curious, I don't think it's really addressed in, in the film, but what did you learn about the funding and kind of the commitment to the funding by the LA schools? Because I mean, we did talk about it up front. It is one of the last, you know, the, to be doing this, to, to provide this service. Uh, I'd love to hear why, you know, why they stay committed. I just think it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there is, you know, Los Angeles in many ways is the creative capital of the world. Mm. Yeah. And I think that programs like this is one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, and I think and I think our leaders in in both the school district and and in Los Angeles and also in California, they just, you know, we we value the arts here. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't mean we have unlimited cash and doesn't mean that the the shop hasn't seen major cuts over the last you know half century oh has it yeah big time yeah. yeah um but at the same time and i think the movie luckily is part of a resurgence and in interest yep. when there's a spotlight on how important it is i think people get interested in it. and yep. and when you pay attention to something a sort of magical thing happens it begins to grow Mm-hmm. grow in value and importance and so our job chris and i as filmmakers is to make people pay attention to it and so you know some of the most moving moments have been you know going to city council with the repair people and hearing hearing the city council people or the superintendent saying this shop can never can never go anywhere this this shop is enshrined it's a oh. world famous thing it's some, it's a point of pride for our city you know we like to hear that you know because yeah. these, these programs are always at risk of getting cut um, and uh, and and that's part of why we made the film so that that, that could never happen. Holy, awesome! The word the words out because uh, you guys in a major way. Um, the uh, I'd like to talk about the people who work at the repair shop a little bit. I mean, music means a whole lot to them, and and not only just what music has meant to them throughout their individual journeys, but also the ability to give that gift to uh, to other people. Can you speak generally about? You know the people who work at the shop and what what it means to them to work at the shop. There's a lot of pride there. Huge amount, yeah. So yeah. there there are four people in the movie: yep. uh, Dana, mm-hmm. Patty, Dwayne, mm-hmm. and Steve. Um, you know, uh, Patty, Patty, right? Who's who's the only female first and only female repair person in the shop? She's a brass technician. You know, tells this incredible story of coming, you know, immigrating to Los Angeles from from Mexico being a single mom, really struggling to make it in Los Angeles financially. And, you know, getting a job at this repair shop changed her and her kid's life. Yep. Um, you know, and 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 they, she speaks about it romantically, about the, you know, what little hands will take this trumpet. You know, they never get to meet their customers. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, or Dwayne, who, you know, as a young man was in a, a hillbilly bluegrass band and opened for Elvis on New Year's Eve in Detroit. El- Elvis's highest grossing show ever and, and well he you knew know. the colonel real well like that was like, like yeah, the colonel is the godfather of his you know just these amazing <laughs> stories that are so quintessentially la too you know yeah. that, that was something that was important to chris and i um whether whether it's la as a as a safe haven uh for the lgbtq community or mm-hmm. um as a place where people have come to pursue the american dream from mexico yeah. Yep. Or somebody who, you know, had this amazing run in the entertainment business and all these brushes with, 
sort of legends or 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 a highlight of the Armenian community, right? The incredible um, Armenian uh, diaspora that has settled in 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 Glendale and around Los Angeles that Steve's story represents. It's a love letter to LA. It's a love yeah. letter to Chris and I's neighbors uh, who we've gotten to know and love. And and these four people really represent the diversity of our city. Yeah. Uh, and and how much love they put into their job that that is really more than any celebrity or any company or anything these are the people that hold the fabric of american society together and they never get thanked yeah. and that's why we made the film beautiful beautiful um I, I thought about that you mentioned american dream with patty it almost felt like kind of Initially, it was kind of like the fallacy of the American dream. You come here and things are just not yeah. working out. But then it did. It really, the, I mean, that's kind of the American dream. What happened to her? She found that job. She found something she loves to give back. And that was that was really, really beautiful. Let me ask you this, just to kind of sharpen in on one of the people there. I'd love to hear how Frankenstein inspired um, uh, Dwayne to get into music, because I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, so... Dwayne, uh, who's the wonderful woodwind technician, who's got a real, he's a real unique uh, guy, wonderful person and, and sort of character in the movie. Uh, he tells the story of as a kid, uh, watching watching a Frankenstein movie and, and the scene where Frankenstein's monster is running uh, through the woods and being chased by the townspeople with pitchforks and approaches this little cabin where there's an old blind gentleman inside who's playing the violin and uh, welcomes Frankenstein's monster into his home and pours him a cup of tea, et cetera. And this scene where the violin, and of course the blind man cannot see uh, what Frankenstein's monster looks like. Um, And so, and so it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful scene about two people connecting uh, on the inside through music. Mm-hmm. And there was something about the way that that character in the movie played the violin that to a, this young boy, Dwayne, as a kid, just for, for him, I've got to learn how to do that. He was picked on in school and he's, he, he wanted to learn how to play the violin so he could make the monster relax and cry. Yeah. And there was something so beautiful about that. And, and of course he finds his violin and it takes him all around the world and to Liberace and, and Frank Sinatra and Elvis. And it's an amazing story about how this, this moment in, in this classic movie really inspired a, a whole lifetime trajectory. It's why he met his wife and you, you, you just can't, you can't, he, you, it's inextricable. It just yeah. part, it becomes part of his very fiber of his being. Um, and and I, I, it, was, it was just a, such an incredible thing to sit there. If you can imagine, right, as a filmmaker, yeah. You go in to make this film by the repair repair shop, and you meet four people that have such incredible stories. Stories, you know, I can believe it. Yeah. On after the next, I mean, those are just the four only four people who volunteered. Nobody else wanted to be interviewed. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. yeah. This was not a casting call of thousands. There were twelve people yeah. that were there. Nobody yeah. wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I made my pitch. Four people raised their hand. That's who's in the movie. Wow! Wow! I mean, you must have just even coming upon like. Steve's story, who's kind of, uh, he does pianos and he's a supervisor. I mean, he has this heroin escape through the airport where people will help him get out of out of Russia during the day. And I mean, that, that story is incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it blew me away. Yeah. I've, yeah. I have never before or since had an experience 
where each and every one of the interviews Holy makes God. my jaw drop. And Steve, who's the who's the shop supervisor, who you kind of know as kind of this host who's sort of taking you through the story, then kind of brings the most harrowing story of all and escaping from from Baku City in Azerbaijan in, in the late 80s when there was a ethnic violence against Ar Armenians and his father is killed. Um, it's it is a it's a story you'll never forget, right? These are memorable characters. You just I'll, I'll never forget them. And I think if you watch the movie, you'll never forget these people yeah. because they just they work their way into your heart. Yeah, the power of music again. I mean, he just kind of came upon that painting a Norman Rockwell painting and that led to him to be, you know, that was amazing that he was getting getting that training from his like host in America. Um, yeah. Let me just kind of bring us home here. This is, uh, it's really just, I found it so beautiful, kind of the potential of uh, broken things. The idea of like one person's trash being just this magical thing for something else. And I don't know, it can just, just these instruments are truly, truly changing people's lives. And I found so much hope there. I walked away with hope for humanity, hope for a lot of different reasons. And I was curious kind of what you hoped people, you know, walk away from the film feeling, thinking, wanting to do? Yeah, you know, I think what inspired me making the movie was all of those, all four of those people, all, all of the technicians that work there, they come to work every day mm -hmm. to a mountain of broken things. Yeah. And they deal with them one at a time. Mm -hmm. They look at it and they say, how can I fix this? And they might do 10 or 12 different things to this trumpet and then it works again. And they send it out. And they do that over and over again all day long. And, you know, we all have broken things in our lives, broken relationships, broken promises, broken things. The world has a lot of broken things in it. And we can all think of those things and they hurt. But rarely do we look at them and say, how can I fit? What, what's one thing I can do to try to fix that thing? You know, what can I do? And that will to repair, you can't fix everything. There's some things, yeah, they're just broken. But I think some things you can. And this story gives us, us as filmmakers and hopefully the people in the audience, gives hope yeah. that some things can be made whole, can be repaired. There is, there is hope to fix some things. And that's what the repair people, I think, teach all of us. Yeah. is that we need to look at the world as if it can be fixed because sometimes you can yeah. and it's worth it to try every time in order to to fix something when it can be fixed that's beautiful that's beautiful i love also too and we talked about that was how your film is really a love letter la i love the line when he's like no not in our city this is we're, we're gonna keep this going we're gonna do yeah, it the pride the pride just the pride. Oozes. <laughs> it's awesome um, I loved it. I'm really, really thrilled to talk to you about it, to spread the word some. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful doc. And um, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. Good luck with everything moving forward. And thank you for your time. I really like talking to you about the stuff, Ben. Thank hey, you. Thank you, Michael. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having Definitely. me.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.